This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. God bless all of you. So glad you're here. And blessings on all you graduates that God would order your steps and you would walk in your kingdom destiny. That's our prayer for you. So glad you're here. If you need a Bible, once you raise your hand, our ushers would get you one. Once you get a Bible, go with me the book of John 16. So we'll be in John 16. Then we'll go to Matthew 18. And so I'm just going to warn you in advance here. You may want to put your spiritual seatbelt on. We're going to dig in some areas that I believe are very beneficial. So as you're turning to Mark 16, just, just to give you some thoughts here where we're going this morning. In, in this thing called life, so, someone's going to break your heart. Someone's going to abandon you. Someone will leave you. Somebody's going to say something hurtful. Somebody's going to stab you in the back. They'll disappoint you. They'll let you down. You want me to keep going or is that enough? So again, the question isn't if any of this is going to happen is what do I do with it? When life begins to come at me. And the Lord Jesus gave us great insight in Luke uh, chapter 23. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And so it's something that I believe we really need to highlight today just to get into the Word of God. And so we begin here, John chapter 16, verse 33. If you'll notice, these are red-letter words. This is the Lord Jesus. And he said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. One translation says, the peace that's in me will be in you. Now, when we talk about kingdom peace, man, it's different than the world peace. Kingdom peace only comes from Jesus. Just as you can only be righteous through Jesus, you can only be holy through Jesus, you can only experience this kingdom peace through Jesus. And when you start getting around the peace of God, you begin to find out real quick, There's a lot of things in this life I can do without, but I don't like to be without the peace of God. The shalom, this this tranquil state of peace that only comes from Jesus. He goes on to say this, in the world, in this place called the earth, you will have tribulation. Not maybe so, but you will have tribulation. You will have pressure. You will have stress. You will have affliction. You will have trouble. You will have sorrow. Jesus' words. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So even in the the midst of persecution, there's joyful peace because of the certainty of Jesus' victories. Now, when I read what he's talking about, when, when you look at this thing called life, it's going to come at us. Getting hurt is reality. But walking or staying in bitterness becomes a reaction. So I don't have to stay in this state of bitterness. Now, turn with me to the, the book of Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to be in Matthew the rest of this morning. Matthew chapter 18. And when you get here, I'll begin in verse 7. And you'll see here, this is red letter words again. This is the Lord Jesus speaking this to us. 
Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe to the world because of offenses. One translation highlights the word offenses here as stumbling blocks. Woe to the world because there will be stumbling blocks. For offenses or stumbling blocks, they must come. In other words, they are inevitable. The word offenses here has a meaning of active displeasing. The, the root of bitterness or even of resentment. Now, as we go on in this thing called life, offenses are going to come to every one of us, but we handle them differently. You know, when we're young, say elementary, and you may remember this, if someone did something to offend you, what would you do? A lot of times you'd stick your tongue out at them. How many of you have ever stuck your tongue out at somebody? Or better yet, you said, Mama, he stuck his tongue out at me again. And then you advance a little more. And when you get a little later in, in, in elementary, we used to say this when people would offend us. We would say, ooey gooey, grimy grimy, gopher guts. Paralyzed monkey feet. That's what CJ eats on his way to school. And it was a way we would dig at him and we'd dig at him. But the problem is when you become an adult and you allow unforgiveness to take root in you, it leads to a form of bitterness and this is the way our heart looks right here. It causes us to walk in incredible hard heart. And this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. He said, for offenses may come, but woe to that man, that man by whom the offenses comes. So when we get over in this thing called offenses, we hold grudges. And oftentimes with these grudges, we can remember exact dates. We can remember exact months or exact years. I remember in 1996 when you did this to me. And so this, this begins to, to shape our heart. And what you find out about forgiveness is forgiveness isn't about keeping score. It's actually about losing count. And so when we walk through this right here, these next few scriptures, I've got to put myself in this passage, okay? Because this pertains to every one of us. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now it's interesting here. Peter knew that he's supposed to forgive him. But now he's saying... How often shall I do it? Up to seven times? And so I believe right here when Peter says this, two things. Number one is Peter thinks he's going to impress Jesus by telling him seven times. But number two, I really have this thought about Peter that he's already forgiven someone six times and he's on the verge of having to do it the seventh. And so Peter right here to the Lord Jesus, he's kind of making this like a spreadsheet. Seven times? Now watch how Jesus responds. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. And when I read this, what he's talking about 
Jesus is saying forgiveness is limitless. You're going to have to walk this thing throughout your time here on the earth. You might as well get a garment or a robe of forgiveness. So Jesus says 70 times 7. Now when the Lord Jesus forgives me and you, and I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful I've been forgiven. He forgives us unconditionally. He forgives us, period. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. When Jesus forgives us, it's over. That's how he views us as forgiven. So again, Jesus wasn't talking about a mathematical equation. He was talking to me and you about something that must originate in my heart. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents. Now, when you see the 10,000 talents here, this is a crazy amount of debt, almost to the verge of saying, this would be impossible for us to be forgiven of. I don't know about you, but I majored in sin for a lot of years of my life. And I'm very grateful that my Heavenly Father has forgiven me. And so this is what he begins to highlight. Verse 25. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, his children, all that he had, and the payment would be made. Now notice what it says here. It says that the payment would be made. It didn't say the debt would be fulfilled. It just said a payment would be made. So the payment in this sense was in the form of his own self, his wife, his children, and it says all that he had, meaning everything of value that he had, he made a payment. His home, his cars, everything that he owned possession-wise but he still was in debt. Verse 26. The servant there fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Have patience with me. Show me mercy. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and he forgave him the debt. He let him off. He canceled. He erased the debt, the entire debt. Now, I highlight the word compassion. The word compassion is rooted with the same word of mercy. You know what mercy says? We don't get what we deserve. I thank God I don't get what I deserve. He forgave him all. Verse 28, but that same servant who he forgave all went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, when you study the hundred denarii here, most believe this was equivalent to three months wages. In comparison to what he owed to three months wages, there's an incredible contrast here. And so he owed him three dinar. 
where he owed him three months' wages. And he laid his hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. Now think about this. He grabs him by the throat and he chokes him. And he reminds him of what he owed you. Verse 30. Back up, verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Now it mirrors us. The very thing that Father God forgave him, he wouldn't forgive this man. The very thing that he begged for mercy, he wouldn't give mercy. And he would not, but he went and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. So he had him in prison. He stubbornly refused to forgive him. In other words, what you see take place here, he took matters into his own hands. Dangerous when we do that. So when his fellow servants saw what he had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Now when I read this, you wicked servant, when we don't forgive other people, this is how we're viewed in God's eyes. I don't want to be viewed as wicked. And this is what the Lord Jesus is getting over to us here. Verse 33. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? See, when it comes to forgiveness, we like to receive it. We just don't like to give it. And oftentimes I highlight this, it's kind of like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea takes in water from the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. But it's called the Dead Sea because it never gives out. And I believe this is the trap we fall in. Verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So what takes place here is when I live a life of unforgiveness... The penalty for unforgiveness is I live a life of torture. What he's talking about here, if we persist in unforgiveness, we open the door to be harassed by the torturers. The torturers are the devil and the demons is what this is talking about. This is how severe this is. And so what begins to take place is a life of depression, a life of anger, and a life of confusion. Ow, that hurt. I want you to see this, guys. He was angry. And he delivered them to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. Again, I highlight something about this guy. Remember? This is the guy who had, said, had such a, a huge debt. He could never be forgiven. 
Now, when I read this, I, I get some insight through scriptures that if you think back when the Lord Jesus was on the cross, he was mocked, he was blasphemed, he was tortured. But before the Lord Jesus would ever leave this earth, remember what he said to Father God? He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Release them. Don't hold this to their account. Verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart, not from his head, but from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So I began to look at this and I have the thought here. This is not about legalism. This is not a scare tactic. But unforgiveness for every one of us, it clogs the channel of communication and it clogs the channel of sanctification between God and his people. So if you've had a hard time communicating with God, or the level of your sanctification, your holiness has been clogged or diminished, the very first thing we must look at, do I have a heart of unforgiveness? If I hang on to unforgiveness, it begins to turn into bitterness. And when it turns into bitterness, there becomes resentment. And then I really, really start getting into trouble with these areas of my life. And so when I look at this, Unforgiveness, number one, it can restrict what God desires to do in your life and mine. Number two, an interesting point on this is this jailed man at the end of this parable, he's still in jail. Now his only hope or only solution was for him to forgive. And a third point I want to make out here is the believer's power and authority he has in the prayer of agreement is hindered. Now, I didn't say this before I started in verse 21, but if you were to look back, Matthew 18, 18, 19, 20, it talks about the prayer of agreement. That's the most powerful form of agreement on the planet is when two on earth will agree in anything, but when I get over into unforgiveness, it stops it. It quenches it. And so when I look at everything I've talked about right here, biblical forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. And biblical forgiveness and establishing healthy boundaries go hand in hand. And the reason I want to highlight healthy boundaries is because we're not called to be a doormat. You're not called to be a a whipping post. You're not called to be a crash test dummy, okay? I'm not saying the things that occurred or happened to you weren't real, but forgiveness is something I do. It's not about the other person. See, we have this thought. Well, I'll forgive them when they tell me they're sorry. Well, there's a good chance they're never going to tell you they're sorry. And when that begins to take place, our heart becomes hardened. And so God's desire, he wants to heal our hearts. He wants to restore our hearts. But in order for that to happen, I must release my past and move toward the future. And the only way that happens 
is I walk with 70 times 7 on my heart. This is the title of this entire little series we're going to do here. It's 70 times 7. You might as well understand I'm going to have to live with this day by day. So here's the next question. So when unforgiveness comes and offenses come, what do we do? Turn back to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. And in this passage here, you'll see again it's red letter words. And the Lord Jesus is going to walk this out with us incredibly, okay? Now, let, let the New Testament, let these red letter words, let these teach you, okay? Open your heart to the Word of God today, and the Word of God will set you free. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's Old Testament. That's an eye for an eye. That's a tooth for a tooth. How many have ever said, heard this? Get them before they get you. Paybacks are. They're tough. Verse 44. But I say to you, the Lord Jesus, I say to you. Now, he's going to highlight four things here. But I say to you, number one, love your enemies. Is that possible? Not with my abilities, it's not. But when I ask Father God to grace me in this area, God will help you. Love your enemies. The second one, he said, bless those who curse you. The third one, he tells us is, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. The four, love, bless, do good, and pray. And let me give you a little nugget here. None of us are exempt from this. Don't think that there's a detour in my life around this where I can avoid this. It's not going to happen. Now, look how he goes on to end this in verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. So the way you're truly revealed as a son or a daughter in heaven is the way I go ahead and obey, verse 44. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Basically stated here, just as God indiscriminately sends rain and sunshine on the just and the unjust, Jesus' disciples must also be indiscriminate in their extension of love. We got a blessed rain last night. Who is wonderful? But you know, on your block you live on, there may be some really ungodly people, but it still rained on their yard. So when I read this right here, years ago when I would begin to study on these lines, I'm to pray for people that persecute me, and I'm to pray for one who despitefully used me. So I begin to see the scriptures, and you know what? I had to read this into my own life, and I said, okay, Lord, this would be a giant step of faith for me to do it. So when I first started praying for people that hurt me, 
I would say, Father God, I pray for them. And I pray that Brutus comes across her path and whacks them both in the kneecaps. I didn't want to pray for them. I didn't want to bless them. That's for you telling the truth. I'm being very transparent here. I didn't want to do that. But I want you to notice something. Turn, turn a couple pages to Matthew 7 and you're going to see something that the Lord Jesus said and this is what really began to help me. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. All of these Greek imperatives here, ask, seek, and knock, are in the present tense suggesting a continuous petition. In other words, you just can't do it one time. So what I begin to do, I begin to pray, and I continue to pray for him, and I continue to pray for him, and I would pray stuff like this. Father God, the very thing that I want you to do in my life, I ask you to do it for them. And when I would say, Father God, bless John, I couldn't say it like that to start with. I'd grip my teeth and I'd say, Father God, bless John. It took everything within me to muster that. But as the days and the months, the weeks, the years went by, there was something that would begin to soften my heart when I would obey the word of God and I would step out and I would actually do this by faith. Father God, bless them. Bless them. See, not only in this life do we need a good memory, we need a good forgettery. That's incredible English, Pastor. Incredible. All you graduates, that is swanics right there to a T. So the first service is over. And there's a man who comes up and he said, when I was 12 years old, I hated my father. And he hated me. And he said, that's the way we looked at each other. He was the oldest of five sons. And he said, but at the age of 23, he got born again. And he got around a godly man and this godly man told him, you gotta start praying for your father. And he said to me, I didn't wanna pray for him. I despise the thought of praying for him. At the age of 35, 12 years later, he said there was an incredible shift in my heart that I began to realize I had forgiven my father. He had stayed with it and he had stayed with it. And so I might as well get 70 times seven put on my heart because this is how I'm going to have to live. This is how you're going to have to live. I don't care who you are. None of us are exempt. Even when you get born again, I still have to walk this thing out. Now I'm going to be very transparent. Years ago, I'm born again. I'm in the ministry, and I used to referee. I had officiate all kinds of, of high school football and basketball. Well, I had some young guys that year that were beginning to learn how to officiate, 
And so they would referee with, referee with me numerous times. So one night, my daughter is playing in a basketball game. I'm not reffing. One of the guys who is reffing is one of the guys I had been with for months, and it helped him. So he's reffing this girl's basketball game, but they won't call a foul. So this girl's basketball game turns into a UFC match. I mean, it's crazy. So he gets real close to me, and this gym has two decks, way up high and way down low. Well, I'm sitting way down low. I'm sitting this close. And so he's this far from me, and I went, psst. And he looked at me, and I said, blow your whistle. Blow your whistle. And he kind of looked at me. A few minutes later, the same thing. I mean, girls' bows, hair flying out. I mean, they're sprung out everywhere. So he comes and he gets real close. No one hears me in the gym do this. And I said, dude, blow your whistle. You're going to cause a riot if you don't blow the whistle. A few minutes later, it gets worse. And I look at him and said, blow your whistle. And he goes, that's it. You're out. And I looked and I said, wait, wait. He kicks me out of the gym. The whole gym goes quiet. He said, we're not resuming the game until someone comes down here and escort him out. Well, oh, happy day. Here I am, the man of faith and power. I got to walk in front of all the people. And I'm thinking, you're talking about a, a form of humility. So the whole way I'm walking out, I'm looking at him. And I begin to mumble and I thought, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get even with you, buddy. So when he kicks me out of the gym, I don't go home. <laughs> Pastor, are you telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. I've told you guys, I got a flesh. So he walks out, and he won't even look at me. And this, this is how full of faith and power I was that night. I went to him, and I said, hey. I know where you live and I know where you work. Man, Pastor, you're full of God, aren't you? That was Saturday evening. Sunday morning, I go to church. I can't worship. I can't receive nothing. I'm just, man, the Lord just keeps dealing with me, keeps dealing with me. I don't know if God's ever dealt with you, just keeps dealing with you, keeps dealing with you. I got 70 times seven tapped onto my heart. And so I get out of church, and this kid worked at this sporting goods store in the mall. You thought I was kidding. I knew where he worked. And so I told Shelly, I said, I'll be back. And she said, where are you going? And I said, I got to go to the mall. I don't go to the mall. So that store's opening Sunday right then, and I walk in, and he's at this rack looking at clothes. And my paraphrased edition, he wets his pants when he sees me. And I said, come here. And he came walking and I said, I owe you an apology, okay? I said, I didn't act like a man of God should have. I wish I could tell you every time I repented, I did it quickly. Every time I forgave, I did it quickly. What I find out in life, the more that I hold on to unforgiveness, my heart starts doing that. And I get real hard. And when my heart becomes hard, it's very difficult 
for God to move. It's very difficult for God to move in the areas of our life that he desires. Now, I'm going to quote the Lord's Prayer to you, okay? Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right here on earth as it is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive me of my trespasses. Forgive me of my debts. Forgive me of my wrongs. Just as I forgive those, just as I release those, just as I forgive those who've trespassed against me. Now, we've all prayed that, but if you really read into that, you know how you're asking God to forgive you the same way you forgive other people. How well are you doing? How well are you doing? So the longer I walk in unforgiveness, it starts taking a toll on me. My body, my mind, and my emotions. I've seen this for 40 years of my life. What happens to people getting unforgiveness? Do you know in the Proverbs it says, envy, jealousy, resentment is rottenness to the bones? So let me ask you something. Are you holding unforgiveness today? I don't teach on these lines to beat people up. I teach on these because none of us are exempt from the effects. The torturers will torture. I'm going to ask you to stand up there today. Woo! As you preach the word today. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, I'm going to be truthful on that. I appreciate your applause, but even if you didn't applause, I would have still preached it. You know why? Only the truth sets us free, guys. And I'm telling you right now, there's some areas within the church that we try to avoid. We don't want to talk about certain things. But this is real. All this whole morning, this entire morning, it was red letter words. And I believe the Lord Jesus is saying, you got to get it. You got to get it. You know, there was a pastor I read about. And he didn't believe in putting a tattoo on his body. If you got tattoos, that's not what I'm going at, okay? Breathe. He said they begin to experience some difficulties in their life. And they had to learn to walk in forgiveness. And I'm saying they, him and his wife. And he said they both put a tattoo right here. 70 times 7. I believe God wants to put that on our hearts. Right here. 70 times 7. That Lord, I, I ask you to grace me with this today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Offenses must come. You may be in this, this house today. 
you have unforgiveness, you have bitterness, you have resentment within you. That there may be someone that wronged you that you just hadn't been able to get past it. Maybe it's to a father. Maybe to an earthly mother. Again, I don't forgive them for their sake. I forgive them for my sake. And I believe this in here right now. That the Lord Jesus said a house divided cannot stand. And I believe one of the greatest divisions within the house, within the marriage, not only within the unity of that, is because of unforgiveness. And if there's unforgiveness in the house, is there unforgiveness in the marriage? The things that God desires to do for us is clogged. Now as we get ready to praise to our praise and worship team here. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm wanting a fresh anointing of forgiveness. Just this sits on me. Just stays with me day by day. That that 70 isn't just a figure, but it comes alive in me that I realize, Lord, grace me with 70 times 7 today. So to be real with the Lord. I open up these altars today for us to come and say, okay, Father God, do a work within me. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.